there's a monster on the loose and everyone thinks Harry is to blame. But who really opened up Hogwarts to all the dangers? It's day two of Harry Potter week and today we're diving down into the Chamber of Secrets. Welcome to day two of Harry Potter Week here on Fair Entertainment. My name is Darren Goodridge. I'm joined today by Mr. Michael Owen. I'm still not used to him opening an episode. Me neither. Um, yes, I am here for Harry Potter Week, taking the hosting duties away from Michael because Harry Potter is very much my thing. And prior to this week, Michael hadn't seen all the movies. Could you believe it? I know. Child of the 90s hadn't seen the Harry Potter movies. Next year, you tell me you haven't seen The Lion King. Obviously, I've seen The Lion well King. Well done. Well done. Well, that's the level of stupid we're at now. Um... Yes, this is the um, second film in the Harry Potter series, The Chamber of Secrets. Uh, little fact. Go on. It's the shortest book. Yep. And yet the longest movie. Wow, really? Explain that. Apparently so. Oh. They're all roughly about the same length, but this just ekes it in hmm. the same way that Attack of the Clones is the longest Star Wars movie. Wow. Well, actually, I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah, that movie feels like it's going on for two years. And so does this one. Synergy, Michael. Synergy. Synergy. Um, if you missed our first episode, please go listen to that. It's where we talk about all of the major characters. We basically do all of their world building in movie one. Yeah, yes. That's what they did. See what we did there? Uh, now we're going to talk a bit more about the kind of specific characters, movie to movie, that come and go in each of these movies. There's a lot of revolving cast in Harry Potter. Hmm. Um, y- your mainstays are there, but... Uh, They'd like to drop in a lot of random characters for one movie and then take them away. Yeah. Um, smart for a book series that's got to last seven books. Yeah. It's best to have these coming uh, coming and going. Uh, and we're introduced to our first new character in what I believe is the first ten minutes of the film. A very divisive character. Mm. Very much the Jar Jar Binks of the Harry Potter world. I think I know where this is going. Dobby the Hale Self. Yeah. What are your feelings? Don't towards... like him. I'm the same. Yeah. I... I really don't get the attraction to Dobby. I like Dobby is I get they were trying to go the whole cute golem route, but it doesn't work. No. I think the CGI's held up okay. It doesn't look terrible. It doesn't look disastrous, no. Yeah. Um but yeah, he's he's always been someone that was a turn off in this movie. Yeah. And I think that goes some way to spoiling his big moment later on down the line. I get you. Which in the books is a very big part of the of the Deathly Hallows book. Because Dobby turns up more often in that. In this one I think he only appears in this one and then Deathly Hallows part I think one. So yeah. And that's it. So you don't really get to know him as a character. He's a lot more likable in the book. Still a bit annoying in Chamber, but that's kind of the point of him in Chamber. I can't help but feeling that he's the Ewok of this movie, as mm-hmm. it was. Very much created to sell toys of this ugly-looking thing. It's the E.T. slash Gizmo effect. Didn't really work, though, did There's not oh, hell no. walking around with Dobby toys, is Oh, it? God, no. Quick question, Michael. Yes. I'll be peppering questions throughout all this series. Go on. I'll give you a high five if you can tell me who voiced Dobby. Oh, God, I have no idea. I have no clue at all. Armin Zola. 
You are kidding. Nope. Toby Jones did the voice of um, of Dobby. No way. That's awesome. Hey, I genuinely can't tell. Yeah. They've obviously altered it a lot to make it squeakier and a thousand percent more annoying than Toby Jones usually is. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm in Zelda playing uh, Dobby. <laughs> I didn't, even though I didn't know that until I looked it up the other day. It would interesting if he turned out to be a Hydra agent. Wow, now that's a spin-off I want to see. Um, yeah, so Magical Agents of Shield. I'm glad that you're annoyed at Dobby. Yeah. That makes me happy. Um, I get why he was there. It doesn't mean I enjoy him, though. he's a very big part of this movie. Yeah. Because even I'd forgot just how integral he is to the plot. And Dobby so has an this. arc. He shouldn't have had an arc in yeah. this movie. That's that's a bit much for what is essentially the bo- please buy toys of this character. You do feel sympathy for him. Yeah. They got that no. level of okay, that he's yeah. just, you know, tortured by the Malfoys, neglected, you know, shows us all the wisdom world we didn't really get in the first one. Uh, you know, there's there's a class war happening in Harry Potter. You know, yeah, there yeah. are inferior there's beings. Very much a whole the whole sort of like pure blood versus mud blood magician thing. And, yeah. and and they start to introduce a lot of parallels to to what we know in modern life. Starting with this movie, because everyone said at the time that oh, it's, it's darker, it's so much darker. Eh, not on reflection, but admittedly, compared to its predecessor, yes. compared to Philosopher's Stone, oh yeah, there's a lot more. I would say more horror elements of this movie than yeah. really, you know, any of the earlier ones. Maybe actually, there's probably a lot more horror in Azkaban. Either way, there's a lot more horror in this than what we got in Philosopher's Stone, which was very much it's all cool, and then this is very much the first instance of shut up, you dickhead, nothing's yes. good. It's it's a very awkward midpoint between the kids' movie that Philosopher's Stone is and the kind of young adult movie that Azkaban is. Yeah. It's a ooh. very awkward midpoint. It's very easy to think of this as a pregenitor to something like the Hunger Games, actually. Yes. Considering there are, you know, there's um, allegories for racism in here with the whole Mudbud thing which gets introduced in force in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're essentially denigrating Hermione as a second-class citizen by calling her a Mudblood. That's some heavy-duty stuff to be juggling in a whimsical kids' movie. Yep. It's something you feel they could have probably done better in later movies. I know they had to set it up now because they've really got to, you know, more the world-building out the way. They've really got to start ramping up for the return of the dark side of, of magic here, um, laying the ground with this kind of thing to point okay. out that, you know, that that's why the pure wizards are evil because they think Muggleborns are, you know, coming over here, taking air magic, etc. <laughs> <laughs> coming over here, using our wands. I am bothered. <laughs> um, let's speak about Draco because we didn't really talk about him in the first um, episode. I didn't really yeah. want him to get washed in the talk. Well, of he he the didn't do period. much other than just be a generic bully in the first one. I think of all the kid actors, especially at their age, I think Draco was the best. Yeah, I think I think Draco was was incredibly well typecast, and I don't normally say that about typecasting, yeah. but he was incredibly well typecast. A Joffrey for an earlier generation. Yes. I think Tom Felton has weirdly regressed in his acting ability. Yeah. Very odd that the other three... Well, Daniel Radcliffe still isn't good. Rupert Grint isn't doing anything. When was the last time you heard Rupert Grint do anything? I think he bought an ice cream van. I think that was the Sounds last thing I heard of him. <laughs> you know, Emma Watson's about to start becoming big and she's going to be in the Beauty and the Beast remake. Tom Felton, on the other hand, whenever I've seen him crop up in things, has not been good. He no. wasn't good in the first Planet of the Apes movie, the remake one. Uh, he's about to be in The Flash. He's going to be a, I think, a recurring character in Flash Season 3. Um, so hopefully he can bring something to that role and kind of come rolling back. But yeah, he was easily, of all the kid actors, my favourite yeah. in the early movies because... Well, I mean, at the time, wasn't our favourite because it's drawn to be the villain. And we don't like villains when we're younger. But you look no. back on it and I'm like, OK, that, 
the, the Malfoy kid knew what was going on early yeah, yeah. on. I really, really enjoyed it. He knew it. he was playing a magical Nazi. Yep. Blonde hair, blue eyes, doesn't like... He doesn't like mudbloods. Doesn't like mudbloods. He's a Nazi. Speaking of Nazis, Lucius Malfoy. Yes. Um, yet another really stellar um, adult actor coming into these kids' movies to kind of uh, lend it a little bit of gravitas. Played by Jason Isaacs. He really does... Again, I think he's someone who's improved upon Lucius Malfoy from the books. Yeah. Because Lucius Malfoy was always a bit boring in the books. Like, he was evil. But I think what Jason Isaac did was kind of bring out the cowardice of, of Lucius when it matters. Yeah. To show that, you know, he gives this whole pomp and circumstance routine at the front. But deep down, he's just a, he's just a coward out to grab some power. Essentially. And uh, it's, it's towards the end of this movie that we get the first biggest hint of that, which I really, really liked. The whole movie, Lucius Malfoy, has been kind of just, like you say, pomp and circumstance... The, the man who considered himself above all others. The aristocrat. The aristocrat. The high elf, as it was, yes. if we're talking about <gasps> fantasy things. Um, but it's the end of the movie where, where Dobby's free and he's actually like <laughs> fearful of the little the little yes. imp with a sock. And then <laughs> he attempts to kill a child on school property. Yep. Do you notice what spell he's about to shout before he shoots Harry Potter? Uh, is it about a cadaver? It is a Vardy Cadaver. Now, in the books, it's never really, he doesn't really get the, the spell out or anything. But And, and it's, it was scripted to be something like Expelliarmus or Reducto or something that would just yeah. hurt Harry Potter. But apparently Jason Isaacs was just on the spot, forgot what the spell was, and he was reading book four at the time. So the only thing he could think to do was to shout, Die! at a small child. Um, <laughs> not feet away from the strongest wizard who ever lived. Um, yeah, very strange there. Um, that, but the thing is, like... That's a happy accident, is it not? Doesn't that kind of really show ah, up? Ah, he says Avada Kedavra the he best. He does, yeah. He yeah. gives real bile and venom to Avada <laughs> um, Yes, uh, another two characters we didn't really talk about. I don't think Mr. Weasley's in the first movie, as far as I can remember. I, I think, think he makes his debut here. Um, but yeah, the Weasley parents. I bring them up because I like both of them. I think both of them do a job, especially Julie Walters, because I like Julie Walters in everything. Yeah, Julie Walters is brilliant. She's from, she's from round here, isn't she? She's one of our girls. Of course girl. she is, yeah. And so is Mr. Weasley. Yes, didn't you know this? No, no it was pointed out to me that Mark Williams is... I don't know if he's from Birmingham, but he's definitely from the West Midlands. Yes. Which means to me... Yeah. The Weasleys yep. could have been Brummies. Oh! And would that not have been a wonderful, wonderful thing? That would have been Ronald fantastic. Weasley! <laughs> How dare you steal that call? Your dad's in trouble at work now, he's going to get sacked. <laughs> it's all your fault, it is. I'm going to batter you and I'll see you. We could have introduced you. You're all right, Harry. You're all right, Harry, me cocky, you're all right, Sam. That would have Welcome been... to the burrow. <laughs> It would have been a little bit like different if it's just like, a, oh, you can come and stay with me. Where they Prince's End? Like it, it's not, it's not got they the same. in a shack. <laughs> yeah. They're all gingers. They really could be from Tipton. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm the saying. The only thing is the missing is an os. There yes, we go. exactly. They, they, this is what I keep saying. <laughs> they could have been. If you're not from uh, Birmingham or the surrounding areas, that entire diatribe meant nothing to you. And I think it I don't could care. have been had they had the balls to make Mr. and Mrs. Weasley from the West Midlands. That make them from so Dudley, funny. put the burrow in Selly Oak, and I would be a very happy boy indeed. Cross um, Selly Oak up market a bit, isn't it? Yes. I did like Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley in particular. Someone who's very fun and really strike that back. I was always worried about a, a point that happens down the line where yeah. 
where the, the, the switch gets flipped. The man, where she, one of my favourite lines of the entire thing was yes. supposed to be there. Yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> And uh, that happens. Luckily, we'll get to that at some point. She <laughs> managed it perfectly without ever sacrificing being the mom you always, you know, wanted Harry Potter to have. The yeah. surrogate family that he never had. Just warm. Everything that Aunt Petunia isn't. Warm, loving, etc, etc, etc. We should also point out, in what is probably um, her most integral movie... She becomes important later on for reasons we'll get to later on. Yeah. But Ginny Weasley. Yeah. Very much forgotten in the first movie, but of course she's not at Hogwarts by that point, that so it's true. fine. Um, oh, I should point out Mrs. Weasley has one of my favourite Harry Potter lines of all time in this movie. It's when Ginny's coming downstairs and she says, Mom, where's my jumper? And in a line that's so easy to not see because you're watching Ginny this whole time and she kind of comes to a standstill with the bright eyes at Harry Potter. Yeah. You hear Mrs. Weasley go, yes, dear, it was on the cat. <laughs> no explanation, no visual gag. I forgot about that. Just, just wonderful. Um, yeah, Ginny, again, of all the kid actors, she doesn't do too bad. She's not acted, asked to do a lot in this movie. No. She's not really in it, really, until mm. she's needed at the end. Very much a cameo. Again, someone who kind of regressed... Yeah, she she gets to those later movies and she she gets thoroughly more uninteresting. Is as she, I she's say. very very uninteresting. Yeah, she's, I mean she's not like she's not awful. She's not drizzling shit, but she's no. just and she doesn't register. You know what no. I mean? Unlike I would argue, Ripper Grint, who just continuously gets better in my opinion. But we'll leave that. I think he's more he, my my kind of apprehension towards giving Rupert Grint a big thumbs up is more down to like the lines he was given more so than yeah, the acting. Yeah, I get you. He's really funny in this movie, actually. This is probably my favourite Ron movie. Yeah. Because he's very slapstick, kind of wacky comedy in this one, especially whenever the spiders <laughs> yeah. are around. And he's just... <laughs> yeah. He's just before his balls dropped. Yeah. And he makes a lot of high-pitched whinges in this one. <laughs> like, even entire lines of dollar because I'm speaking, and it's really rather wonderful. Uh, yeah, Ginny, she's, she's kind of... I would have liked to have seen more of her considering how important she is to the plot. Later on. Um, because, yeah, she's the one, although all be possessed by a book, mm-hmm. she's the one that opens the... Chamber of Secrets. That's true. She does her most stuff in any movie in this one, and yet she's kind of forgotten. Yeah. I feel bad about that. Mm. Poor little Bonnie, whatever her last name is. <laughs> Bonnie Wright. See, I knew her first name. Go me. Yeah. Uh, you sort of did it. Woohoo! Let's talk about the, the one of the other major adult additions to this cast. In the kind of revolving door is the um, Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah. We get introduced to Gildroy Lockhart. And I don't get why people don't like him. Right? He was such a wonderful... I get why they don't like him in yeah. the way that they're not meant to like him. Yeah. But I think Kenneth Branagh was amazing. He was so movie. good. He was so beautiful as the kind of shit-eating green... Um, <laughs> What's the word I'm thinking of? Disingenuous. Yeah. Kind of... He, he was a facade character. Yes. He totally wasn't the hero that everyone made him out to be. And that's beautiful because yes. it sets him up for his, you know, petard to be thoroughly hoisted by the end of the movie. I'm going really weird and posh with my phrases You are. Recently. What are you doing? You're doing a Hermione. Stop it. Apparently. Basically, they set, ghastly. they set him up for a fantastic fall and it was fantastic. I, I, I love him. And then, then you remember, that's the guy that directed Thor. Yep. And wow. arguably one of the better versions of Hamlet. And that he's also not only directed, but performed. Yeah. Wow. And yet... <laughs> and here he is bumbling about. The vast majority of people are going to name as that guy from the second Harry Potter movie. No, I do love him. I need to mention something here Go that on. I found out afterwards. Did you know about the Harry Potter love triangle? 
The Harry Potter love triangle. The Harry Potter cast love triangle. Cast love triangle. That was inadvertently. It happened prior to the movies. Right. But it must have led to some very awkward parties and kind of interview days and stuff. No, I didn't know Kenneth that. Branagh yeah. was married to Emma Thompson, who plays Professor Trelawney. Oh, yeah, of course. But they had an affair. Well, Kenneth Branagh had, had an, an affair. affair. With Helena Bonham Carter, who plays Bellatrix Lestrange. You're kidding. Good God, do I want to be in a room with those three? Oh, <laughs> crap. Now, admittedly, they might have missed each other, actually, because obviously Kenneth Branagh's only in this movie, yeah. and Bellatrix Strange isn't in it until Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. There was a chance, there is a scene, I think, in one of the later books, I believe it's Half of the Prince, where you meet Lockhart again. He's in a mental institution because obviously he blew his brains out trying to do the um, the memory charm at the yep. end of this one. Um, that would have been wonderful. <laughs> I would. I wish we could have got Kenneth Branagh back just to do a quick cameo in a mental institution. <laughs> but that might have been a bit too dark for Harry Potter to go to a wacky old house. A little bit. Uh, yes, I think Lockhart's great. If you didn't like him, you're an idiot. Who's someone you are allowed to dislike vehemently this is a bad movie for annoying characters yeah because you have Dobby who's mm-hmm. very much the king of annoying characters but right alongside him his queen moaning fucking myrtle it's, uh, see is the things like I have an odd affinity to that character and again maybe it's, Michael no maybe it's because it's because it's the nostalgia thing and I remember the, the ghostly vision of Myrtle was like was kind of weird and creepy and then kind of sort of like warm and charming at the same time. But I'll admit that she's goddamn annoying. Played by a thirty eight year old. Yeah, who saw that coming? I know. Then you watch Filth, uh, the one with uh, James McAvoy, and then it's Oh god, it's Marty Murch getting a tits head. Yeah. Oh god, no, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the toilets, go back to the toilets. I can't say she didn't she was nowhere near this annoying in the books. Really? Not not like this kind of... I suppose because you're not hearing the screaming. Yeah, and you're they not hearing... Mention... Hearing the weird voice yeah. she does. Like, I'm like, oh, oh can, hello, Harry. can we stop and that? You, no, I did the entire rest of the interview. Review even, doing this voice. Won't it be magical? Yeah, she gets on the fucking tits. <laughs> I suppose when you read it, you're not hearing... Sh- you just see that, the words. That was, that was nearly du- the Dudley word. The <laughs> Weasley's there, which I really enjoyed. It was wonderful, wasn't it? <laughs> See, reading the book, you just hear Marnie Myrtle sh- like shrill screams her way back into the toilet, and you yeah. don't get to hear that. When he's piercing you in the eardrum, it gets quite annoying. Yeah. And then she turns back up in Goblet of Fire, and no one's happy about that. <laughs> You're meant to be sympathetic for her. She got killed by a gigantic snake, mm-hmm. you know, 50 years ago, and yet I have no sympathy for that woman. <laughs> I'm glad she's dead. Take that. Um, okay, we'll, we'll kind of get into the more, the more story throws of this. Of course... The, the monster is on the loose. That's true. Uh, we know it's a bastard snake. We do. Um, and everyone's trying to guess who opens the Chamber of Secrets. Everyone thinks it's Snape, obviously. <laughs> because, because he's always been painted as the bad guy. Snape. With reason. Then they think it's Malfoy. And they try and get him with a polyjuice potion. Doesn't work out. It's I love that scene, by the way. The polyjuice potion scene. Because, again, it's CGI that's still noticeable, but it still kind of holds up and it's still kind of magic in a way. I suppose because it's not meant to be realistic. No, it's not. That does help a lot of the CGI in the fact it's meant to look magical, a little bit fake. Um, well, it's 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 a step up from the, here's the invisibility cloak where we just keyed the actors out on a blue screen. Yeah. Like That's just disappointing, whereas the polyjuice is like all the bumps in the skin as it changes to... I really like that scene. Oh, that's good. I... My problem with this movie has always been the kind of haphazard way they deal with the flashbacks. Yeah. Of showing... I like the flashbacks all the way through. When the pensieve comes into play in later movies, I really enjoy the flashback scenes. They fill out this world 
wonderfully. And although Harry's always there, he means you get to spend time with more interesting characters like young Dumbledore and young Tom Riddle and all this good stuff. There's a very awkward scene in this one where, you know, they basically try and shift the blame onto Hagrid, however temporarily, because he was expelled originally when Mountie Myrtle died mm-hmm. because they thought he had unleashed the beast, which was his pet spider, Aragod. Of course, it then leads to the scene where they go into the forest uh, Harry and Ron to go and find Aragorn because once again all children's best nightmares live in that goddamn forest and this is what I'm saying this is yet another kind of hard left into horror territory that this yeah. otherwise wonderful happy um, movie admittedly it's a movie that involves petrifying people and turning them into zomb- you know stones yep um, but yes oh uh, sorry before we did that very quickly one of the things I that, that really sticks in my head is the kind of like Oh god, this movie got way too dark and I was way too young. It's the petrified cat and the blood writing on the wall. Yeah. I was like, God damn! That was that's where much. we're going. I know, that was a bit much. Sorry, I just remembered, we skipped over one of my favourite scenes, which is the duel between Gildry Lockhart and Professor Snape. Oh, yeah. Snape just annihilates <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's like, but um, nope, nope, And the way, nope. the way Alan Rickman walks onto stage as if he's levitating. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how he managed to do it, but he always looks like he's not walking, he's just gliding about like the back that he is. I really want to believe that like they actually hired somebody to have like a little plinth on wheels, just mm. pull him into shot. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been magical. So yeah, so they're going into this forest and they're going to talk to a giant spider. Yeah. And then thousands upon thousands of giant spiders are pouring down on these two children. Yep. If I was I was a kid when I watched this the first time, I don't remember being particularly scared. But if I was terrified of spiders, nightmares for months I would be having at this movie. Pretty much. Because it is horrifying. Yes, the car like, turns up to save them and then, yeah. then it becomes like a bit of an action ride that drives them away. But there's still a scene where the car stops for a second and a spider headbutts its way through the window and he's trying to kill Ron. Yep. Ah. Yeah, it's... For someone who doesn't particularly like spiders, like me, <laughs> that sucked really badly. I can badly. imagine it did. Even worse, though, is that, again, to draw it to stuff that, that that's still going um, in the... Uh, in the attraction in Holly, in not Hollywood, in Orlando, Orlando. the the yes, the because it's in the Hollywood studios of uh, yeah. Universal. Um, they have the giant spiders, yeah, and that's not a fun time for anyone because <laughs> it's on a ride where you literally cannot move out of the seat you're in because they're supposed to be like the the class stalls, as it were. Right, all like, right. So yeah, you yeah. literally cannot move your head sideways. And you cannot get move up or down or anything. And it's be it's moving along like this, and it's bringing you closer towards the big fake furry spiders. I was not having a nice time. <laughs> you sound like you're having a fun time, Michael. It's a great ride up until the fucking spiders. Oh man! So would you say this was too scary? I I think I think later movies it balances out because the tone's different. Yeah, they start out as quite dark and menacing, whereas this one was quite airy and bright up until you know. <laughs> Attack of the Giant Killer Spiders. Yeah, Attack of the Giant Killer Spiders was just really misplaced in this movie. I think it's only really from the next movie onwards where they get the balance right. Mm -hmm. So here it was just kind of like whimsical and magical and dead cat (laughs) and fantastic and... And, and and just enchanting and then giant dead spiders and like, oh, can we not do this? Don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Gigantic killer snake. Yeah. Although the snake wasn't really that scary, I'll say. I'm just... On reflection... Do you think the Basilisks were scary? Well, I, think, I still don't. I'm going to show my hand a little earlier. Okay. I still think this is one of my least favourite Harry Potter movies. It's in the bottom three because it's still a kid's movie. Yeah, I can't decide whether it's this or, or Order that's at the bottom Upon of the Upon re-watching it, though, I really like the Basilisk scene because it's something we don't really have in any other Harry Potter movies. He's usually fighting humans come the end of it. I get you. This is the first one he's fighting a monster. That's and true. And it's a really good monster. The CGI looks really good. 
like it's held up exceptionally well. That's probably a bit the, best the only bit from this movie. Yeah, it's yeah, held but, up but, really but I mean, well. obviously it's easier because he's like pitch black and all this sort of stuff. Forks doesn't look good when Forks flies in to save the day. No. With the Deus Ex Machina hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that bit. <laughs> yeah, that bit. Oh, God, that was stupid. Um, I was ranting about it so much I forgot that my girlfriend doesn't know what a Deus Ex Machina is and I had to then pause the movie to give her that rant. To explain um, the Deus Ex Machina. But there is some really good scenes. There's a scene where the, the Harry Potter runs into the sewers and he's kind of up against this grate and he can't go near. Forks has blinded the basilisk so he mm. can't see but it can still smell. And it just slowly crawls along the pipe, turns into the grate where Harry is, and just keeps coming and coming. And it is genuinely tense. I've watched this movie loads of times over the last, what, whatever, 10 years it's been out. It's still quite tense and still quite scary. I did like that a lot. Um, I want to point out something, though. The the thing with Riddle, because this is the point where they revealed that the, the book that Ginny was given by... Um, Lucius Malfoy, yep. very like obviously signposted in retrospect in the first. <laughs> yeah, movie. a little bit. Oh, put <laughs> that in there. Um, it was it wasn't it wasn't subtle at probably all. Probably the campiest moment for. Oh. Then again, it probably wasn't the campiest moment of Lucius Malfoy. Was no, it, he's really? A, he's a surprisingly camp man. Um, so yeah, so Ginny's been one opening up the Chamber of Secrets with her parcel tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Riddle has possessed her through a book. That was never really explained all that it's well. It's just kind of like, the book's magic, deal with it. Like It so. is magic, because we later find out he's a Horcrux, yep. the first one we ever meet. Um, oh, no, Harry's in for Horcrux as well. So. Anyway. Um, D- discounting the whole I am your father moment. Yes. Like, and this is the book, the first one. And this is the big reveal that, you know, Tom Riddle is Voldemort. This is the man that would later become Voldemort and kill Harry Which Potter's Which is parents. a really cool setup. I got to admit. It, I really like the whole unraveling mystery of like, Oh, Voldemort isn't a demon. He was actually a person that it went yeah. wrong for him. Like, ooh, that's interesting. I think it's why I like the the payoff in, in Goblet of Fire so much because they did spend a lot of time building up. He's not the Darth Vader where he's there from the start. Yeah. They took their time. JK took her time to build up the Voldemort coming. Um, I want to point something out for you. I hope you don't know this already. When they did the French version of this, they still wanted his name to be Tom Riddle. But obviously, it has to be an anagram of "I am Lord Voldemort." Mm-hmm. So, to make that happen, they changed his middle name. Right. In French, at least I hope it's French, and I'm getting this right. His name is Tom Elvis, <laughs> which is just wonderful. Tom Elvis. Really? Tom Elvis. Yes, Voldemort's middle name in French is Elvis. <laughs> wonderful. Well, that's that's the version I'm going to take as canon now. It is. Definitely Elvis Riddle. <laughs> and his giant snake. Sounds <laughs> a bit right. Um, How American. So, we come to the end of the movie. Harry Potter pulls the Deus Ex Machina Gryffindor sword out of the Deus Ex Machina hat. Which is a damn cool vision. Like, the, the sight of the small child, the boy that lived holding Godric Gryffindor's sword. Holy crap, that's pretty badass. And it does set up the moment later on, obviously, in the last movie, where it's Neville that gets to do this. Yeah. The other boy... Yeah, I understand the theory yeah. that Neville is also the boy who lived. It could have also of. applied could have, to Neville. Could have been yeah. Neville, yeah. So he gets to pull the sword out and kill another snake with it, which is a great scene in that movie. But yeah, um, he pulls the sword, God gives the sword out, stabs the snake through the thing, gets bitten by the, the basilisk fang, uh, uses that same basilisk fang he pulls out his arm to kill the, kill the book, therefore killing the kind of part of Voldemort's yeah, that, that was soul. a bit of a weird thing. Like, he's stabbing a book with a tooth and it's bleeding ink. I'm like, mm, that okay. This is something, weird. though, I feel like... Because when... It's had this happen in Star Wars and then, you know, they come to... Basically, I think stabbing the book could have been like Luke and Leia 
kissing and then being brother and sister. Yeah. Had she not thought out this is going to be a Horcrux, which I think J.K. Rowling did. Probably. I'd be a bit more annoyed. Yeah, why is it bleeding ink? Why Why does it really matter? How can it possess people? Yeah. The fact that we then find out later on, retrospectively, that this is a Horcrux and, you know, defeating it was actually killing a part of his soul. Yeah. I like how that came out later on. It's interesting, um, for sure. Then Deus Ex Machina, uh, Machina Bird comes in and cries some Deus Ex Machina tears on Harry Potter's oh, arm. Oh, yeah, that happens. Thus curing it. I do think they mention it. Actually, yeah, it's Fawkes' scene in the first movie. That's when he burns and goes into the pile of ash. Yeah. Because that's when Dumbledore mentions it in passing. So there was a little bit of payoff there. Yeah. I had almost completely forgotten out of it. Uh, we fly out of the Chamber of Secrets. We go back to um, Dumbledore's office where he gives a nice, neat summary of all the questions we had. Something that I'd rewatch this. The really funny part where he he's saying, oh, the Harry Potter says, well, the sorting hat was going to put me in slavery until I told it not to. And he says, don't worry about it. You were always meant to be in Gryffindor. Only a true Gryffindor could have pulled this sword out of that. Here, take a look. So he hands him this sword that he knows is good enough to kill a basilisk. It's made of goblin steel, right? He hands it to Harry, who picks it up by the blade. <laughs> yeah. and he puts the handle relatively to Harry, and Harry still grabs and not like grabs it slightly and takes off it. Puts his entire hand round his really sharp blade. <laughs> I was like, I'm starting to think this is a bit of the the, the hooky like knockoff, and Dumbledore's put the real sword somewhere safe. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need that, does it's he? It's a bit light. He <laughs> starts shaking his rubber. <laughs> uh, magic. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine if that same shit the magic was in this movie. It's like your dad doing that thing with the button knife. <laughs> <laughs> and Dumbledore's really trying to flog the real one on like the market in Hogsmeade. <laughs> I'd like to picture Dumbledore like Uncle Albert. That's what I want to see. <laughs> no, I just want to see Harry Potter flog it. That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be magic. <laughs> anyway, uh, see, so yeah, this There's no book. One previous careful owner. <laughs> no, can I retract my bid? Yes. So that's the this chamber six. Where do you think it ranks? Oh, for me, I think this is a this is the basilisk is cool. Yeah, but I think because you spend so little time with the kind of character, you don't really see much of Hagrid in this movie. No, he's there's not a lot of him. Very much missed. This is on a par with Order of the Phoenix, but I think because it didn't really go anywhere. We're not quite at Azkaban, which is the turning point for the whole series. Yeah, I agree. I think this is possibly my least favourite one. There's another movie later on that's in contention. Yeah. This is definitely a bottom three. Like I said, there's the, I'm, I'm going to put my cards on the table. I think this is possibly the worst one. When we get round to reviewing order, I'll let you know which one's going okay. to bottom. It's, it's either that one or the oh, I'm not looking forward to Order of the Phoenix. Like, do, I, do I want the one where a lot of unnecessary weird stuff happens or the one where nothing happens so you know we'll get round to that very very soon indeed plug away Michael okay you can go and find us on Facebook Twitter SoundCloud Minds and Instagram under the username FowleyNT that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T woo uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Guttridge. Um please do go and check out yesterday's episode on the Philosopher's Stone, please come back tomorrow to see a review of The Prison of Azkaban, where this series really does turn a corner towards being better. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily towards being good, but definitely a damn sight better than these two movies. Uh, and we will be back every single day this week with a brand new podcast talking about a Harry Potter movie in the build-up to the release of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye! Bye! I said bye. Lie! Lie! <laughs> Woo!